You're listening to the Running with the Herd podcast, powered up by Herd Nation, a part of the Rivals Network. This Running with the Herd podcast is sponsored by Mike Gwynn Insurance Agency. For the latest interviews, commentary, and analysis on Marshall University athletics, here is, without further ado, the Running with the Herd podcast. Man in motion, quarterback fakes a handoff, swings the pass to the left side to the motion man. He's hit and fumbles. The ball's loose on the field. It's picked up by Andre Sam at the 43-yard line. Sam to the right sideline for the herd. Inside the 35 and 30. Sam inside the 25. Andre Sam out of bounds at the 22. Two receivers each way for Wolf. Marshall walks up. A backer showing blitz. Boplan starts the blitz, then backs out. The pass is thrown his way, and he tips and picks it at the 35. Abraham Boplan right side across the 30 and tackled at the Monarchs' 26-yard line. How about that? He suckered him into throwing it right in his spot, and Boplan with the pick. Wolf sends two receivers each way, fields the snap, pocket collapsing into his face. He slides, steps right. He's hit by Cumberlander, and the ball is loose. It's picked up. Marshall with a fumble recovery. It's Tyquez Legs. Cumberlander forces it, legs picks it up. You just heard the highlights. The defensive effort from the herd led to a shutout 12 to nothing over Old Dominion. And here we are talking to the voice of the herd on the Thundering Herd Sports Network from Learfield. And that, of course, is Steve Cotton. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Well, glad to be here, Aaron. Absolutely. Haven't talked to you in a while, but always glad to speak with you. Anyways, when you take a look at Marshall. Uh, they're five and four heading into the App State game. Obviously, the defense, as we just heard, has been a strength of the team. Talk a little bit about Lance Guidry's unit and what they've done so far this season. Well, it's been outstanding, and there are you know, some real, I think, factors that uh, lead the way. When you can dominate the line of scrimmage on either side of the football, you're probably going to have some pretty good success. And Marshall's defensive front, you can talk about the front four or the front seven, if you want to include the linebacker level as well, has really manhandled just about everybody this year. You can start with the superlative seasons by defensive ends like Kobe Cumberlander and Owen Porter. But as much as anything, the depth, I think, has been a huge factor. You rotate people in and out virtually every couple of plays on the defensive line. And those fresh legs, as you get to the second half especially, and into the fourth quarter, are really dominating the second half of games. When you're in a close game and then you dominate at the end, you have a pretty fair chance to come away with a victory. Right, certainly. And one of the things that Coach Huff wanted to strengthen for the 2022 season is that defensive line that got bullied up front against Louisiana in the New Orleans Bowl. And you uh, mentioned fresh legs, and the addition of Ty Quasi legs back into the lineup has really paid dividends for the Herd ever since he's been back into the lineup coming off of injury. Yeah, he uh, played well. And by the end of last season, his first year at Marshall after transferring from Austin B was making an impact. So the fact that he was not available for the uh, first six games, whatever it was this year, was uh, you know detrimental. Now, it was covered up pretty well because you had so many other defensive linemen playing well. 
but you add him in and it just magnifies things that much more one more productive body to rotate in and He's a playmaker at Old Dominion. He had the first sack of his career, had the first fumble recovery of his career, and he is uh, a handful for people to deal with. You mentioned the the bowl game loss to Louisiana last mm-hmm. year in the New Orleans Bowl. Yep. And Marshall's defensive front had been good all season, but there wasn't enough depth, and a few guys were banged up, and I think Marshall had really five healthy defensive linemen in that game, and when you're doing that, you're the team getting worn down, and that's why uh, Louisiana was able to dominate the fourth quarter. Marshall led that game. People may or may not remember after three quarters of play, but just uh, couldn't make stops at the end. So Coach Huff and his staff made that a high priority. They went out and found some transfers like Anthony Watts from Purdue, Isaiah Gibson from Kentucky, Damian Barber, another Austin P transfer, and all of a sudden, that unit has depth. When guys do get banged up, you really uh, it, you almost don't notice because there are still so many guys coming in and nobody's getting tired up front. Certainly. And switching to the offensive side of the ball for just a little bit, obviously, Kalen Laburn has been better than advertised. I mean, 1,200 yards rushing, 13 touchdowns on the season. He's really carried the load for this Marshall Thundering Herd offense. And uh, obviously, with the ab- with the absence of Rasheen Ali, it's been a welcome sight to see number eight in the backfield. Yeah, he has uh, number one had a great year, regardless. But number two had such an important year for Marshall because uh, of what you mentioned. You don't uh, have a guy you thought's going to be one of the best running backs in all of college football. You're, you think you've got a star. Uh, in the middle of fall camp, and all of a sudden that is not to be this season in Rashid Ali. So Laburn was a highly recruited guy. In fact, some people called him the number one all-purpose running back in the nation his senior year out of high school Virginia. Number one prospect called by most people in Virginia. A highly fought, uh, hard and difficult recruiting battle. Florida State got him. Things never worked out for Kalen in Tallahassee. Marshall gets the opportunity, and you know the, the, the interesting story, a good story, is that uh, you know Kalen ends up uh, not on the team at Florida State, and he had to go back and earn his degree and pay his own way. He hadn't played since 2019. Mm-hmm. He is driving, uh, you know, rideshare services and. Right. Uh, delivery services and working in a lumber yard and he really appreciates the opportunity he thought he wasn't sure at least he wanted to play more football but he thought maybe he wasn't going to get that opportunity so he loves what he's doing at Marshall he loves the opportunity here and Marshall certainly is fortunate to have what he has done this year because he has uh, kept Marshall virtually in every game when you can run the ball, eat some clock, play good defense, you always have a chance, and that's basically been been Marshall's recipe this year. Right. Now, the quarterback situation, obviously Henry Columbia started the first few games of the year. The last three, it's been uh, the redshirt freshman, Cam Fancher. Obviously, he had a 300-yard passing game against James Madison. He had a 100-yard rushing game against Old Dominion. The talent is there. The skills are raw. What do you see with number 14? Well, I see progress week by week. 
I see what appears to me, and I'm not, uh, I'm by no means a, a real football X's and O's guy. Uh-huh. But the game plan seems to be growing. He's got more of the offense in his head that the coaches are comfortable with trying to do more things. The consistency of the pass game really hasn't been there yet, but I think that's improving too. And like you, you said, you, know, you have a 300-yard passing game thrown into that mix. And so all of these things, for a guy who's only started three games, you, you, it's not really a surprise that it is you know, taking a little bit of time. And it's game by game that he has more at uh, his uh, beck and call just mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what's open to him. And, and also, when you're the number two quarterback, and taking fewer snaps with the first-teamers, that chemistry isn't there necessarily with your receivers. You know, right. a, a throw is a step off. And then you get a month into being the guy, taking the vast majority of the first-team snaps. And I think that's another thing that's just going to lead to better and better uh, work in the pass game as the games come by week by week. I think you're going to see noticeable improvement there. I do, too. So. Yeah, at least that's the hope. I, I, I agree with you, Steve. Turning our attention to the 75-week App State coming in. App State comes in with a 5-4 and four record. They've had some, some injuries, some issues there. Uh, coaches, uh, Coach Sean Clark has uh, been a little bit under fire from uh, those uh, you know fans from uh, Boone, North Carolina. Uh, when you take a look at App State, what do you see with those guys? It's uh, going to be a battle, and Marshall renewed the series with Appalachian State a couple of years ago and had a hard-fought game here in Huntington yep. in 2020 and won that one against a ranked Appalachian State team at the time. Last year, made the return trip to Boone and uh, saw Appalachian State score 10 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to get a tight win right there, so... We've had two recent games between these two. They have both been battles right to the very end. I don't know why you would expect anything different. The teams have had similar seasons. You've had roller coasters. You had uh, Marshall beating Notre Dame. And on the same day, Appalachia State takes down Texas A&M, which was actually ranked higher than Notre Dame. Appalachia State had the, the uh, biggest ranked win among Sunbelt teams that day. That was the same week that Georgia Southern went to Nebraska yep. and got a win. Well, yeah, it's nice to beat the national teams. Then you get into conference play, and everybody's been beating up on one another. I don't know how anybody even tries to predict game by game through the Sunbelt Conference. I'd I, I say Conference USA a moment ago. The Sunbelt Conference, and it is uh, just a, a weekly adventure where you have really very little idea how things are going to go. Yeah, certainly. I mean, when you talk about uh, the – parity in the Sunbelt East, there's really no bad teams in the Sunbelt East. I mean, you know, Georgia State started out at the bottom. They grab a win. They're near the top. Marshall grabbed a couple of wins. App State grabbed a couple of wins. Coastal Carolina appears to be the favorite as of right now, but you don't know what that's going to look like in a few weeks. That's probably what Commissioner Keith Gill and some of the other folks involved with the process, envisioned when they saw these teams coming over, like Old Dominion and Marshall and so forth. 
Yeah, all of these teams have logged some pretty impressive wins. And uh, yeah, you mentioned Old Dominion, uh, a team that has struggled for the most part in conference play. Got shut out just last week by Marshall, but has victories this year over Virginia Tech. Is the one team that has beaten and soundly beat Coastal Carolina, mm-hmm. and almost you know it was a last-second field goal at Virginia, or else they would have beaten both Virginia and Virginia Tech this year. And and once they get into the league play, like we said, it's a, it's a battle, it's a struggle, and they're in the bottom part of the uh, Sun Belt Conference standing. So that uh, yeah, you mentioned what the commissioner Keith Gill would like to see. It's a bunch of Sun Belt wins over good teams in non-conference play, and then just crazy battles where you don't know what's coming up week to week during the regular season. That's a pretty good recipe for an interesting conference. Yeah, definitely. And uh, last question for you, Steve. Um, keys to this one for uh, Marshall. Obviously, they're coming in with a lot of emotion for it being 75 week and all. What are the keys to Marshall getting that sixth win and getting closer to bowl eligibility? started to change a couple of things, one of those being the depth on the defensive line. Another one was turnovers and forcing turnovers, turnover margin. Marshall and Appalachian State are both plus 0.67 per game in turnover margin. So you get uh, on the plus side there, if it's going to be a close game, no reason that it shouldn't be a close game. That usually is a big factor. So if you can uh, continue to generate some takeaways with your defense, which Marshall has uh, done exponentially better this year than last year in that category, well, then uh, that puts you in pretty good stead. Conversely, if there's a a turnover advantage for Appalachian State, you're behind the eight ball right off the bat. You also, against a uh, Mountaineers team that has a very – good run game they rotate a few running backs they are all solid or better than solid very good Cameron Peoples and uh, Noel and it goes on and on they can rotate a few of them and if one of these teams really gets the run game going and has a big time of possession advantage I think that goes a long way toward determining who's celebrating when the game ends Saturday afternoon Steve Cotton, the voice of the herd, here with us on the Running with the Herd podcast, sponsored by Mike Gwynn Insurance Agency and powered up by Learfield, or powered up by Herd Nation, a part of the Rivals Network. Steve, thanks for joining us as always, and we'll talk to you again soon. Always a pleasure, Aaron. You're welcome. Audio credits go to Steve Cotton on the Thundering Herd Sports Network from Learfield. Thanks for listening to the Running with the Herd podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at RWithTheHerd and also at Herd Nation. Also like us on Facebook at Running with the Herd and at Marshall Thundering Herd at Herd Nation. Thanks again and go Herd.